Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 19. We're going to look at one verse today. Ephesians 3, verse number 19. I want to preach a message this morning just simply entitled, The Love of God. As I stepped back into the churchyard this morning after tying the dog up over there, I heard through the walls of the church coming forth a song, The Love of God. And I thought, well, you know, the Lord usually confirms what I'm supposed to preach on, so I'm going to take that as a sign. A few years ago, I preached a message on our love for God. The Bible commands that we love God. Somebody say amen. amen. The Bible commands that we love God. We are demanded when we look at our situation that God gave us life, God gave us blessings, God gave us eternal life, God has bestowed upon us everything we have. So our, our situation demands that we love God. The Bible commands it, life demands it. How could we not love the God who blesses us abundantly, gives us eternal life in Christ? But the number one reason that we love God should not be the Bible commands it or that life demands it. The number one reason that we should love God is that he loved us first. Amen. Here in his love, 1 John 4.10. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and gave his son to be the propitiation for our sin. What is that 50 cent word propitiation? It just means the mercy seat. Thank God. Listen, you can't have mercy without love. Love demands mercy. Thank God for his great compassion and his love. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the day. I pray you'd speak to our hearts now. Lord, I pray you'd fill us with the love of God. Lord, I pray that you'd take your spirit and just somehow authenticate the words of the book to our heart. I pray that we would experience the love of God, that we would open our hearts and let it in. And Father, I pray now you'd bless each one that's come this way. Would you use us for your glory? For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and gave his son to be the propitiation for our sin. God loved us, but Christ loved us. Amen. Christ loved us. The Bible says, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us. Thank God the love of God was proved. Absolutely. God just didn't say, I love you. It is one thing to say, I love you. It's easy to say, I love you. But it's a lot more difficult to prove it. Thank God that Christ proved it on the cross. God, the Bible says, is many things. God, our God is a consuming fire. God is wrathful at times. But I'm glad the Bible says that God is love. The core of the being of God is love. If God has wrath, it is governed by love. If God has righteousness, it is governed by love. If God has holiness, it is governed by love. And boy, it makes a big difference. Listen, if love was governed by holiness, we'd all be dead. Let that sink in. But... Holiness is governed by love, and we can have mercy, and we can have compassion. It's the very core of his being. You say, is God wrathful? The Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day. 
But that wrath, that anger, is governed by love. The, the reason our world still spins and God hasn't already burned it up is the love of God, the compassion of God, the mercy of God. It's one thing to perceive the love of God. It's one thing to understand the theory of the love of God, but you can have a theory without proving it in the lad. Are you all with me? And so the cross is what we see that proves the love of God. It's one thing to perceive it, to understand the theory of it, to comprehend the aspects of it, but it's quite another thing to experience the love of God. When you and I know Christ as our Savior, the Spirit of God comes in, the sin goes out, God's love comes in, we perceive it. We become the lab. We become the test tube to, to take the theory of love and make it practical. Thank God. It's, it's a practical thing to know the love of God. We perceive the, the theory of it. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 16, hereby we perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us. Anybody should be able to look at the cross. A lost person can look at the cross and say, if that was God, then he must be a loving God to die for you. Amen. An atheist could look at the cross and say, I perceive something about that, that God is love. But yet, a person should not just perceive it, we should receive it, amen. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For scarcely for a righteous man would some die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us when we did not deserve it. We perceive it, we believe it, yet we have to receive it. The only reason that there's a person lost in the world today is because they have not received the love of God. They may perceive it as they look at the cross. They may even believe it as a fact of history. But yet, if they're lost, it's just simply because they have not opened their heart to the love of God and received the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's the only reason that anybody would be lost. God didn't say, okay, if you reach a certain plane, I'll save you. God didn't say, if you can attain a higher level of life, I'll, I'll save you. He didn't say, if you could make it to a particular position in Christ, or a position in life, then I'll save you. No, we were unlovable while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Thank God. The love of God. Passes knowledge. Now let's get down where the rubber touches the road. Why would God love me? I'm a sinner. Why would God love me before he knew me? He knew I would sin. He knew I would be rebellious. He knew I would be hard-headed. He knew I would be lustful. He knew I would be hateful. He knew I would make mistakes. He knew I would have errors. He knew I would have faults. God knew all this about me beforehand, and the Bible says, yet he loved me beforehand. It passes knowledge. 
The Bible says this, And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. Can I just be real honest with you? I don't know why God lets me. I don't. It's beyond my knowledge to grasp it. When I look at George and I see what George has done, the George's thoughts, George's ways, George's actions, George's faults, George's shortcomings, the list goes on and on. I say, man, there's no way that God could love me. It passes my knowledge. Are y'all with me? Wow. But to know that I don't deserve to be loved, I'm unworthy of the love of God, I don't feel lovable, the Bible says here, look at Ephesians 3.19, the Bible says, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that what you might be filled with the fullness of God. Now why aren't we filled with love? Why aren't we filled with compassion? Why aren't we filled with the fullness of God? Because somewhere we have not grasped the love of God. Y'all with me? We're, f- we're full of everything else. To know the love of Christ. If you write in your Bible, write over that word love, ginosko. G-I-N-O-S-K-O. G-I-N-O-S-K-O. That word means to know by experience. The Bible says, God is saying, I don't want you to just know me by looking at the cross, perceive it. I don't want you to just know me by looking at history and know that Christ died for me. I want you to know, Gnosko, I want you to experience the love of God. And yet, even I don't always experience and have that knowledge of the love of God. Somebody say amen. It's not just me. This word gnosko is the same word. Let me teach you something here. It's the same word that Mary used when the Spirit came upon Mary, the Virgin Mary, and told her she was going to have a baby. And she said, how will these things be, seeing I know not a man? Gnosko. What she was saying, she wasn't saying she didn't know a man. She knew her father. She knew her brothers. She knew all the men around. What she was saying is, I do not experientially know gnosko. Are y'all with me? She was saying, I've never had a gnosko, a relationship, an experience with a man. So she had not known man. There was not a relationship there. But listen, here's the point. God wants us to have that relationship with him. Not just know him, not just have a knowledge of God, but have an experience with God. That's what the whole point of the relationship is, to fully realize that we have a relationship with him. Paul is saying here in Ephesians, to know, gnosko, to experience the 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 blessings of God, the Spirit of God, participation in the love of God. And then it says this, that if I experience that, it allows me to be filled with the fullness of God. Let me ask you a question. 
As you sat there in the pew this morning, you got ready for church, you dressed, you drove to church, you took the time, you're here, praise God, but have you experienced this morning the fullness of God? The full love of God. It allows us, this knowledge of God allows us to be filled with the fullness of God. Listen, if you were filled with the fullness of God this morning, you wouldn't be so grab happy. Amen. We wouldn't be covetous or jealous or envious. We'd be filled with God. When you get full of God, you're not be lusting or greedy or hateful. <laughs> Amen. We'd be full of the love of God. You ever feel like you're running on empty? Can I get a witness? I mean, you just feel like that the circumstances of life have drained you. Relationships have drained you. Everyone and everything is just consuming your energy, consuming your reserves, consuming your strength, and you just feel empty. You know what will feel that? The gnosko, the knowledge, the experience of Christ. The experience of knowing the love of God will refill. Amen. You say, preacher, how do I, how do I get refilled? I, I, I do feel empty. Can I just be honest with you? I feel a little empty today. How do I get refilled? Well, how do you refill your car? You say, well, preacher, I'll just go down there at the gas station and stick a hose in it. <laughs> Yeah, but the point's this. You got a small tank on your car, 20 gallons. They got a 2,000-gallon tank at the filling station. So what you're doing is you're hooking up to a larger tank. It may be unseen. You don't know how many gallons is there. You just by faith hook up to a larger tank. Did you realize that is exactly how we experience God? When you get empty and you feel empty inside, the best thing you can do is go to the filling station and praise God. Let me tell you something. There's some high test there. And God can fill you and strengthen you and renew you, but you have to do it. There is a response, a personal responsibility to get to the unseen supply. Amen. <laughs> so let me say this. You have to allow God to fill you. Can I be real honest with you? Sometimes I don't allow him to fill me. The love of God is there. The compassion and mercy and I could be running on full. I could be running, I could be flowing over with the love of God if I just hook my tank up. And so often I just run on empty and I get grouchy and grumpy and, I, and, and my thoughts are negative and all. Listen, all I need to do is go back to the filling station. All I need to do is get on my knees and just open my heart and say, Lord, let me hook up to your larger tank. And the Bible says that God will fill it. That's why Jude tells us. He says, keep yourself in the love of God. 
That is my responsibility to keep myself there. It's my responsibility to keep my tank full or I run out of gas on the roads. And believe me, I've done that a time or two. And Lisa panics, did you see the gas light? It's on! And I'm like, oh, we got 50 more miles. And then she starts scrolling through that computer. It says we only have 17 miles left. You know why? I just didn't go to the filling station. And so often life is like that. You have to keep yourself. Let me just read it to you, Jude one twenty one. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Why did Jude instruct us to keep ourselves in the love of God? Because he knew we would block it. He knew that the devil would do everything in his power to block us from the love of God. Mm. He knew that circumstances that happened in our life would block our receptors from the word of God. He knew that we doubt that God would love us. He knew we would be depressed because of it. He knew there would be deceit and human, motion, human emotions and human perceptions would stop us from receiving the love of God. Know how often that is the case with us. Somebody say amen. Allow, allow yourself to be filled with the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. Don't let Satan block that experience. You cannot experience God with doubt. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. You cannot experience the love of God doubting that God loves you. And I can look at my, I can put human reason into work and say, look at my life, look at George, look at all the things wrong with me. I doubt that God loves me when he's thundering the whole time from the Bible. I love you, believe it, perceive it, and receive it. Wow. Don't let doubt. Doubt that he loves you. Doubt that he would consider you. Doubt that he would work in your life. Doubting is the opposite of faith. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Listen to what Zephaniah said. The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee and is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will joy over thee with singing. He will rest in his love. That means that if God is resting in his love, then I should be resting in his love. If God's love is not transient, it's not movable, it's not shakeable, it's not fleeting, it's not volatile, the love of God is stable and steadfast, then why should I not live in the love of God every day? Why should I not practice the love of God every day? You say, but preacher, God is chastising me. Well, he's doing it in love. You say, preacher, but God has not favored me, it seems. Well, he's doing it in love. I'll explain that just to give you, the, I'll give you an example. You say, preacher, God is blessing somebody else, and they're living like the devil. And he's not blessing me. He's doing it in love. 
You say, preacher, I don't understand that. I don't understand that, that if I have the blessing and the favor and the love of God, then why am I not rich and wealthy and successful? Isn't that what's being preached today? Then what's wrong with me? Why am I not? I'm a Christian. I'm saved. Well, let me remind us that sometimes we, as human beings, withhold favors from those that we love in order for them to grow, mature, and have a good work ethic. Now let me explain that. You better believe, I got three kids, and you better believe that I love my children. You better believe that I favor my children. Amen. But you better believe that before they were 10 years old, they were out on the farm with me picking up rocks. They were in the barn with me shoveling cow manure. I mean, we were stacking wood. You know what I was doing? I was teaching them before they were 10 years old about life, about a work ethic about responsibility, amen, about accountability. Did I love them? You better believe I love them, and I still do. Did I favor them? You better believe I favored them. But you better believe I put them in some difficult circumstances sometimes, and they hated it. Oh, they hated it. Rachel hated stacking wood. I wish they were here. I love to pick on them. She hated stacking wood. And we st I stacked this great big rick of wood in the barn, and I stacked it way over my head, and I turned around, and it fell. The whole, and she knew we was going to rick it. And she was livid. She was angry. Boy, you know something? She didn't feel like she was loved of her father. She didn't feel like she had the favor of her father. Are y'all with me? Her, in her mind, and she's a pretty sharp little gal. She's a pretty sharp little gal. In her mind, what we were doing at that moment had no value to life. She didn't know that I was instilling in them a value. Are y'all with me? Because I favored them, because I loved them, because I knew about life, I was instilling in them a specific value. Now, y'all going to see the relationship to Heavenly Father, what I'm talking about, but I'm going to go a little further. I didn't have to make them do that. I worked a job. We weren't wealthy, but my kids didn't have to work. Are y'all with me? I mean, I made enough money to where my kids could have sat in the house and played video games, talked on their cell phone. I mean, I had the ability to bless them with that, but I didn't. Amen. Some parents need this message. God, on the other hand, as we look spiritually, listen, God's got the ability to take you and make you a multimillionaire, set you on a cloud, give you everything so you'll never have to do nothing again. And you'd be a spoiled brat. Amen. 
And we don't like it. We don't like it in life. Listen, let me just remind you of something else. When my kids were shoveling cow poop, I was with them. I was with them in the muck. I had a shovel in my hand. And oh, they hated that. And I used to make up little songs. And my little song would say, I love cow poop. And oh, they'd get mad and they'd frown. I love it on my boots. I love to squish it in my toes. I smell it up inside my nose. I love cow poop. I'm serious, I did that. And they, they didn't even think it was funny. And they would stand there with their shovels and make faces at me. What are you saying, preacher? They were still favored by their father. And sometimes life, you're going to feel like you're ankle deep in manure. Somebody, can I get a witness? You're going to feel like you're ankle deep in the muck of the barn and God does not love you. And God does not favor you. And God's blessing everybody else. All the other kids, they're on their cell phones and they're, they're watching TV and they're playing video games. And here I am in the muck of the barn. God must not love me. Boy, I'm hitting home. <laughs> and the truth is that God is right there with you. That Christ became man. He didn't have to. He didn't have to come. He didn't have to die. He didn't have to give his spirit to walk with me every single day. He didn't have to condescend to men of lower estate, but he did. And whatever situation you're in, God is right there with you. And he's teaching you something, and he's putting value in you. Amen, preacher. Oh, my. Huh. Favored. Let me tell you something. I've got to end that story because I've got lots more to give you. I felt mean sometimes. Like I, you know, I mean, I felt hard. I felt like, am I doing right? Am I, you know, I'm, I wasn't hard on the kids. I mean, it wasn't like I had child labor, but I was just teaching them to work. And then about... A month ago, the phone rang, and it was Rachel, 25, 26, I don't know how, Mama, how old is she? 26. And it was Rachel, and after working a job and being successful at the age of 26 on that job, she's an accountant now, and they're in the firm at 26 years old. And she called me. And she said, Daddy, thank you. I said, for what, Rachel? She said, for teaching me a good work ethic. Man, you talking about it, it was like I scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Oh, thank God. And so, folks, listen to me. When you think God is not favoring you, He is. When you think God is not loving you, He is. When you think God is a million miles away and you shouldn't be in that situation, He's got you right where He wants you that He might teach you some value. And one day, you'll call Him up and say, Lord, 
I remember going through that, and I don't know why I did, but I thank you for it. I thank you for what you taught me. I thank you for valuing me. I thank you for being with me. I thank you for that experience. It made me stronger and better and more mature and more accountable and more responsible. Lord, I praise you for that. Wow. You know, that's just the opposite of what you'll hear the TV evangelists say today. Wow. Thank God. What are you saying, preacher? Here's the end of what I'm saying. Don't you ever let the devil tell you, no matter what situation you're in, that you're not favored. You are. Don't you ever let your body and your mind and your human emotions run away with you and tell you that God doesn't love you. He does. He does. If you're in Christ, there'll be no separation. There'll be no divorce. There'll be no disowning. If we're in Christ today, we ought to be praising God. My favorite verse says this, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Glory. We ought to be shouting hallelujah. Praise God. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. What manner of love. I'm called a son of God. God knows my name in love. Hollywood doesn't know it. Washington, D.C. doesn't know it. Amen. But God knows it because I'm his child in love. If the world doesn't know my name, it doesn't matter because God does. Amen. It doesn't matter if my name's ever written in neon lights or on Hollywood Boulevard. It's written in the Lamb's book of life in the blood of Jesus Christ, written in the love of God and will never be erased. Glory to God. Thank God. And if my name never gets engraved on a tombstone, I'm okay with that. It's written eternally in heaven. Praise God. The Bible says, And the Lord direct your heart into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. If I could leave us with this thought today, after preaching that whole message, I would say, let's close with this. May the Lord direct our hearts into the love of God, the compassion of God, the affection of God, the mercy of God. Direct our hearts into that and the patient waiting for Jesus Christ. Amen. Some reason the devil fought me hard today from the get-go. 
So I'm just going to fight back. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask you a question. I've closed in plenty of time to give an invitation. It's not even 12 yet, so just be patient. Are you saved? Do you know Christ personally? Have you received Him personally? I'm not talking about knowing there's a God, knowing there's a Bible, knowing there's a cross, knowing that Jesus died. I'm not talking about knowing these things. I'm talking about experiencing it in your heart and receiving it in your heart. Is there one here and by your own confession you say, Preacher, something's missing. I'm empty. I I know God loves me. I've been in church all my life and I perceive it. I believe it. But listen, friend, you've got to receive it. (laughs) You've got to open open some doors. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's not going to bust his way in. He's not a thief. He's not a robber. He's not oppressive. He's knocking. All you got to do is open. (laughs) Amen. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you, dear friend, if there's one here, you've never opened your heart to Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you to do that right now. Would you slip out of your seat and come to Christ today? Don't suffer the judgment of God. Don't go to an eternal hell. Don't suffer the condemnation of God. Come to Christ today. Come to Christ. We wait for just a moment. The Bible says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Does the Holy Spirit live with inside of you? If he doesn't, he can. And then Christian, I'm going to leave you with this thought. 2 Thessalonians 3.5 Pray this prayer with me as we dismiss. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and the patient waiting for Christ. Amen. Pray that with me. Brother Brian, would you come and dismiss us in a word of prayer? Thank you, my brother. Certainly good to be out in the house of the Lord today. Thank you all for being here and for being in your place. Let's ask the Lord to bless us as we go our separate ways. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we just bow before you, Lord, may we just reflect on how much you love us, Lord. And Lord, as we think about your love towards us, we have to recognize that it's in spite of ourselves, Lord. Lord, oftentimes we try to give ourselves credit for what we think we've messed up or what we think that we've made go awry. And Lord, let us be mindful of the fact that we're not as big as you are and you've got all things under your control, Lord. Lord, you can handle all things. Lord, I just pray that Truly, if there's one here this morning that just doesn't have a certainty of their salvation, Lord, they're struggling with that. Lord, even if they've been coming to church for years, or maybe they think they've got it settled, but they just know for down deep in they're not saved. 
or let today be the day that they just reach out and just get that settled. Lord, allow them to talk to me or George or anybody, Lord. We'd love to take a Bible and show them how they can be saved, Lord. And Lord, as we leave this place, may we just truly just think about just how much you love us, Lord. May we reflect on that, and because you love us, may we show you how much we love you. Give us a desire to be back in your house at the next appointed time and watch us as we go our separate ways. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>